Finding Purpose, The Song of My Life, New Era, Episode 60, God's Doings, and Home Birth Number 2. Welcome back, everyone. In learning to rejoice and be content in all things, it helps to remember God's goodness in our lives. In this episode, I come to the birth of our second child being born in Germany. Despite the trials that had tried to damper our joyful expectations, we knew that God had a good plan in store for us. Just two years before that, we were in a completely different place in every way. Our location, our marriage, and our spiritual state. We had been dancing through life to the sound of Thomas's flute when suddenly everything changed. We found what we had been looking for, and this led us to the Living Waters Ranch. Our life there as born-again Christians was so much more than we thought what we were looking for. This time, I am telling our story about moving to Germany. I come to the month of April 1975. I had to listen back to episode 18 to remember what happened when our first child was born. I had forgotten how dramatic that day was, with Thomas almost drowning in the Pacific and then delivering his first baby. In episode 17, I read from Psalm 18, which described Thomas's experience. God pulled him out of the deep waters. A few minutes after that, he had been ashamed to tell the nearby campers that Jesus saved him. Now, two years later, we had moved across the world for exactly that purpose. He was no longer ashamed to tell people that Jesus is the Savior. Living in Germany was like a new start, and Thomas had to get used to speaking German again. He didn't realize how different it would be after living in California for three years. He particularly loved reading his German Bible and found the words rich and powerful. He hoped that he could convey the truths that he had learned in English in his mother tongue. After we had been in Nienburg a few months, my dad asked in a letter, How's life in Germany? Here on a tape, Thomas talks about our developments while Naomi played happily with her dolly and dishes in the background. Well, <clears throat> it's, it's good. It's a blessing. Something I never felt before I'm feeling now, and that is that Germany is a people, as a people. And I, I'm really starting to get a love for them. You're seeing where these are my people for right now taking them on and I can minister to them and just love them, just serve them. And of course, they're, you know, they're all different ways here than over in America. There's a lot more traditions and set ways and a lot of things are really better over here than in America we found out. Like there's a, there's an exactness and a, and a, what you call it, thoroughness, you know, where people just you know, whatever they do, they do it right, and, and they do it, they do it canal, <laughs> exact. And uh, also, because of what they went through, there's a whole, oh, there's a whole different feel over here. The gospel's never been really preached to them. Really being preached is everything has been the state church, and there was a little revival over here or there. But like over whole Germany, there's, they're, they're sleeping, they're slumbering. And the gospel is going to really go forth in power and there's going to be a mighty revival here. So just pray with us 
that, that God would raise up laborers from amongst here, these people, other Christians, that they really get a vision for these people and just preach the gospel the way Jesus wants us to preach his gospel. There's nice chocolate over here too. <laughs> a lot better chocolate over here than in the States. We're living in this little country town, town village, in a little in a big two-story house. It used to be an old farmhouse and we had to do a lot of remodeling so we wouldn't sleep in pig stalls. And got a nice big backyard with with fruit trees and it's just it's just nice. Ministry is doing fine. We're just like I said, we're prospering now. We're starting to prosper. And also in, 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 in our ministering, we're starting to preach the gospel. Two hitchhikers came last night. They're still staying today. The Lord's really touching their hearts. And uh, we're, we are able to meet a lot of people outside of our house just through going to different markets and selling other goods. And we're just able, thousands of people pass by and we're able to share a lot with them, pass out tracts and, and just just minister to them. Just preach to them, sing songs, and also fellowshipping with other other fellowships and ministering to them too. The Lord's doing a good work. He's just starting us out. First, He did a work amongst ourselves where He brought us in a place of unity, and and where really where the world can see that we have loved one for another, so they can see we are His disciples. And now I think we're, we're, the time is at hand where we'll go out as a team and just preach in the streets, marketplaces, everywhere, sing songs and proclaim his good news. That's his interesting perspective on the country and a good description of our new life. You can hear that things had settled down and we were ready for the birth of our baby. With Naomi, we had planned on having the birth alone in our teepee, but in God's wisdom, he brought us to a couple's home in a cabin. This time, the plans were different, and Thomas would not be responsible for the delivery. We were thankful that my German doctor had set us up with a midwife. She called and made an appointment to come to our house. When she arrived, we met her at the main door and led her through the laundry shower room back into our bedroom. Thomas told Naomi that the nice lady is going to help mommy have the new baby. The midwife was probably in her 40s and came dressed in a white smock or kittle, as they call it. She didn't speak any English, so Thomas translated for me. She asked me to lay down on the bed, and opening up her black doctor's bag, she pulled out a wooden trumpet-shaped object. She set it on my stomach and listened to the baby's heartbeat. She pushed and pressed around to feel the position of the baby. She said, "'Everything is fine.' Alice is good, and that the birth would be soon. She told us how we needed to prepare the room for the birth, mainly clean sheets and a large piece of plastic to cover the mattress. She said she would also need some towels and a tub for bathing the baby. After the official checkup, Thomas asked her if my women friends could watch the birth. She said that was okay as long as they were sitting far enough away from the bed so she would have room to work. We liked that she had the old school traditions and obviously had lots of experience. She gave Thomas her number and said we can call at any time. We should let her know when the contractions are regular or if there are any signs of complications. After we let her out, Jackie and Lori, who had been waiting in their rooms next door, came out and wanted to know the whole story. 
Lori, who had recently given birth in a clinic, was really excited about getting to watch. Unknown to me, the women had also been planning a baby shower. All I knew was that on the men's free day, we were going to have a special dinner in our new dining room. Peter's mom had sent a huge box of Mexican ingredients like red beans, peppers, and spices to make tortillas. After the dinner, Thomas got his guitar out and the ladies presented me with some gifts. It was pretty overwhelming and such a touching surprise. Here is what I told my parents about the days before the birth. You can get an idea of how we live together as one big family. It was it was really a good time before the baby was born. I, I was able just to, to have a lot of time just to sleep as much as I wanted to and I pretty well got everything done, like just all little different things that I wanted to finish up in the room to make it nice. I, I did and um, we had a it's like a bassinet only. It's just a, it's just a basket. It doesn't have a a cover or, or a stand or anything like the ones that you had. Just a basket. I have it on an end table and made a little green ruffle to go around it. And Thomas's mother had given me some real pretty bright colored um, pillow covers that are like here for the baby's bed. They have a big feather pillow for a blanket, and then just have a pretty sheet over it. So I made your bed real cute, and it it was really a blessing for me just to have have time, just to really well get things done like that, and lots of different times when Naomi would take a nap, I just use that time to pray or read the Word and write letters, and at the same time, you know, whenever I felt good enough, I helped with work around the house. Usually every day I did something, but not to really feel under any pressure. It really helped a lot. It's the same way right now for the, the next three or four weeks after the baby's born. I didn't I didn't even know what was going on, but it turned out that we all sat down at the table and they came in and sang a song. Thomas played the guitar and everybody sang a song and said that, that the dinner was in honor of me and the new baby that was coming. And then all the sisters had gifts. Got a real beautiful big full green plant, sort of a tropical type thing with a real strange flower on it and Jackie made a, a scripture on a piece of paper with some little pictures and stuff and Linda made a real beautiful embroidered scripture for the wall and Lori made well sort of like a receiving blanket but she made it extra warm and she embroidered a scripture and flowers and things on that boy it was just really something just to receive that love from the family. Like we really are a family now. And interesting, I did not mention to my parents that the scripture on the blanket was about the child, Samuel. Thomas and I wouldn't have dared to tell my parents about that incident. They would have been very disturbed and worried about us. Finally, on a Sunday at the end of April, I woke up at 4 a.m. with contractions. Once we realized that they were regular, we got our room ready and Thomas lit the stove. By that time, Naomi had woke up, so Thomas took her over to Yvonne's room. He explained to her that the nurse lady was coming again and Mommy was going to have the baby. 
Thomas called the midwife, and gradually everyone in the house was waking up with our news. He went knocking on all the doors so the ladies could get up and be ready. This meant the dads were going to be on kids' duty that morning. Before the midwife arrived, the women had each brought in a chair and set them along the wall. They were excited they would have first row seats to the big event. Thomas and I were glad when the midwife arrived and took charge. It didn't bother us that the other women came in. We also had an audience when Naomi was born. The midwife suggested that Thomas sit behind me to support my back, and she showed him how he could help. That was comforting, and I knew that he was praying since I was busy dealing with the contractions. Here's how I tell the story to my parents on the tape. I was 24 and sound so matter-of-fact about the whole procedure. Don't worry, I didn't tell any of the gory details. I think it's interesting how I explained the practical advice and techniques the midwife used. So I woke up at about 4 in the morning and the contractions were about 7 minutes apart and I was going to the bathroom a lot so I woke Thomas up and asked him if he could make a fire and we just prayed and just sort of waited because I didn't want to call the midwife if it wasn't really happening this time. And so the contractions weren't too, too bad. I was doing breathing with them. And just every in between, I would just get up and we got the room all cleaned up and all the things out for the baby and plastic and sheets for the bed. And Thomas made a fire so the room would be warm. And then we called the midwife and she came at about five and she got all her stuff ready and and she just had a lot of different things that she helped me with during the labor that, that I really felt like helped. Yeah. Daddy's here. In the beginning, um, when I was having contractions, she would press like to the side where the baby, the side that the baby was on, and it, it would really hurt, but she said it was like to help during the contraction to move the baby downwards. She would sort of push, like direct him that way, and then later, um, I was sort of like on my hands and knees on the bed when I would have a contraction and she would press on my tailbone really hard and just sort of rub down there and that was like to, um, Naomi, stop it. That was also to help, like when she'd push on my spine, it'd make the baby like push down and some and Thomas helped do that too. It just all went so quick and, and like when the the labor first started, I didn't eat anything. I was hungry that was morning, but I thought you weren't supposed to eat. And then by that t later, I was starting to feel sick. And so Thomas asked her if it would be good for me to eat. She said, yeah, it'd be better if I ate, because if I didn't eat, then I probably would be sick if I was hungry. So the last half hour there, I ate two bananas, and then I felt much better. And, um, and then she told me, um, when I started feeling the baby really pushing, when I felt like I really had to push for me to lay down on my back so she could assist in the birth. And so as soon as I felt that, Thomas was out of the room and going to the bathroom, and she called for him. The sisters went running off to get him, and just maybe five minutes after he came back in, five or ten minutes, the baby was born. Um, when the baby, her, when her head first came out, her hand was like came with her head and it was right there at her neck and I guess it was like stopping her breathing so she, her she was her head just came out and she was just sort of starting to turn blue the sister said so the midwife just told, kept telling me not to push it was really something because 
all the sisters and the midwife and everything, they were all saying count and don't push and talk and I didn't know, I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't know, you know, what was happening with the baby. But anyway, it was a blessing that she was there and she had told, told me not to push. That way the baby was was getting air from the cord and and then um, and then when the when the rest of the baby came out she cried right away but she still looked sort of bluish and she slapped at her bottom and got her crying real good and and then a little bit after that she bathed her got her all washed up and um, weighed and measured her and everything and put her clothes on and got her all snugly in her bed and and then she she washed me and it was just really a blessing just to be able to lay there and have somebody take care of you like with Naomi you know we just had to do everything ourselves uh, everything just went so perfect I'm going to sing this this new song that we've learned before the tape finishes I will arise and go to Jesus he will embrace me in his arms in the arms of my dear Jesus Oh, there are 10,000 charms. My most vivid memories that were actually funny is when the midwife said, Wait, don't push again. Warte, warte, nicht pressen. She had her hands supporting the baby's head and told me to start counting out loud. Lori shouted, Count with me. One, two, three, four, five, six. She was yelling, Don't push, don't push. Seven, eight, nine, don't push. I mean, she was like really into it. Finally, the midwife gave the okay and shouted, Yes, pressen, pressen. On out slipped the little baby. The midwife's first words were Ein Mädchen. And my first thought was, Lord, what is her name? And instantly the answer was, in my mind, Esther. Everyone was rejoicing and crying at witnessing such a miracle. When she laid the baby on my chest, proud Daddy Thomas put his face up to her saying, Hi, little Esther. The midwife dressed her and laid her in the cozy wicker laundry basket. After she washed me, she wrapped a long piece of cloth tightly around my stomach. She said it was to help the muscles go back in place. And her instruction was that I should stay on my back for the next 24 hours. That kind of made sense, but I was pretty sure that I would get up later, take a shower, and feed the baby. So Thomas had a new job for the next couple of days, wrapping me up with that cloth. The midwife congratulated us and said she would come back the next day to check everything. She would be responsible for me and the baby for 10 days. As soon as she left, Thomas went and got Naomi. With her big brown eyes, she gazed at her little sister in the basket. Oh, she didn't know what to say. I said, her name is Esther, and when she wakes up, you can sit on the bed and hold her. Thomas couldn't wait to call his mom in Berlin. Since the birth date was actually later than what we had expected, she had been waiting impatiently for news. Finally, she got the call. God had blessed her with a second beautiful granddaughter. In closing today, spring had come. From our bedroom window, I could see how pretty the backyard looked. The fruit trees were starting to bloom and the tulips were out. It was a new season and life was looking up for all of us at the farmhouse. And I was thrilled to have another girl. She had been with us all the way from Living Waters to Europe. 
now she was our first child to be born in Germany. Of course, the question came up with the women, why did that couple say we would have a boy? I decided to write them a letter with our news and ask what kind of explanation they had. For the time being, I folded up the baby blanket with the Samuel verse and stuck it in the back of the closet. The important thing was that Thomas and I were happy that the Lord had given us another daughter. Honestly, I couldn't have imagined raising a boy. Take care, friends, and bye for now.